The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Stomps, stomps, stomps. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I'm Rick Welch. And to my left is not Billy Eye Candy. Not today. He's not going to be here today, guys. He had to go to a school. He function. looks like a big bowl of candy, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Charlton, the Rickening Carter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. Sarita, the Edge, Edgerton. We're living on the edge. Uh, did you go back and listen and notice you said walking on the edge? I did and say, then I was and right. I meant to. Oh, well, no, to. you told me that. I, no, whatever. No, we literally, <laughs> I think we had that conversation in the moment. You were dead that day. Can I was. we just say? It's just dust, ladies. <laughs> it's just dust. It's just dust, ladies. Yeah. So, <laughs> Three weeks of pneumonia later. All the other kids with the pumped up kicks, you better run, better run. <laughs> Outrun <laughs> Cherry the Annihilator Lewis. <laughs> that was <Hello>. good. <laughs> It came in some from so far away that I didn't see it. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. yeah. Y'all, we might be a little as crazy as Josh is. Yeah. Speaking of, we have Pastor Joshua Sexton from Mills River Church in the studio. Hey, man. What's going on? We've been talking about this for a while. Yes, and I'm very nervous. Good. I feel like I, I played matchmaker I, I don't understand. Bit. I don't understand why you'd be nervous. I don't, dude. I, look I how talk casual, casual crowds, I am. Look, not, this is look how super casual he's been, I am. He's been making eyes at me since he got here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it, big boy. <laughs> You know, it's funny because uh, I've attended Josh's church a couple of times. And the second time that I went to Josh's church, I got out to let Holly out of the car. And I heard from across the parking lot, heretic. <laughs> and I was like, that's the pastor of this church. <laughs> <laughs> but it takes one to know one. That's, that's the deal. But I have Was to say, I feel like a matchmaker because when you start talking about I'd never heard of preterism yep. until, you, until I came here. And then... I saw him post it on his Facebook page, and I was like, "They got to. That's got to be the same thing." And I was like, "Have you ever heard of Josh Sexton?" And he were like, "No." I was like, "He's got a church in Mills River." He's what? He's a preterist? I was like, "I think so." Sure, it is like there's only two eschatologies, so yeah. there's, only two, <laughs> yeah. there's only two views of this entire thing. So. Well, where where we live, I just there's heard only some, some similar. You, you were right. You were right. It's it's kind of rare to hear that I'm a partial preterist. You know, like that's rare around here. Especially, you should know that. You know, most people are dispensationalists, and especially in the Southern Baptist, you know, sector, you know, or sect. But uh, so when she said that, I was like, yeah. And of course, I'm a full preterist, which makes me like. You're hyper Double. heretic. I'm a hyper pret. You're yeah. a hyper heretic. There's yeah. a line there between me and you that's that's where the the tick comes in. You know that's right. I mean? Some's a hair and the other's a tick. You got, you got all of it. <laughs> and they I'm that the blood sucking side of it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, so we've done a lot of testimonies and I've I've asked every guest the same question. Have you listened to any of our testimonies yes, at all? Yes, sir. You have? Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you know our first question, which is, can you tell me to the best of your ability the first time that you heard the name Jesus Christ? Yes. Yeah. Well, I I can't remember it because I probably heard his name more than any other word I heard as yeah. a child. Mm-hmm. So, um, your dad in the garage doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? 
<laughs> said your dad we, in the garage. You hear your dad saying it in the garage. Oh, no, that no, doesn't no, no. count. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. So my dad died uh, when I was Way really little. Way to go, little. Ralph. So, Jeez, Ralph. I know. I, know. I didn't mean to like, that's, that's like, it's okay. Major downer, um, bro. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, he would have been dead regardless of what you just said. So, <laughs> so when I was, uh, let's see, my my father passed when I was six weeks old. So it was my mom, Ooh. my older brother was 18 months, and then I was about six weeks. He was the director of a Christian camp in Virginia. So he had been at, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Bob Jones University. Uh, he got a smart <laughs> after that a little. Sure Just do. a little bit. Maybe okay, so I grew up in that world. So mm-hmm. my parents met there. They moved to Virginia. My dad was a director at a camp, flipped a truck, uh, forerunner, and was killed mm. on site at that camp. So um, we were there for a little bit. He was about to have a life insurance policy go into effect, I think, four or five days after he died. So it wasn't, I don't know. I'm not an insurance guy, but that's from oh, what I understand. Lord. I was little. I don't remember. So we ended up moving to Charlotte where my grandparents lived. Um my mom's parents. And two years after that, my grandfather died. Um, and so it was my mom, my older brother, Joey, uh, and myself. And we moved there. I think I was three or four months old at that point. Um, I don't remember exactly. But my whole life, all I heard about was Jesus. I mean, my my older brother, when he was, I think he was three or four, became a Christian and and he's going strong at 36. I know that sounds young. And so from what I understand, I'd be in the crib and he'd be in the bed near me. And my mom would walk by the hall and he'd be saying, Josh, you need to get saved, you know? <laughs> and I'm over there trying already. to, I'm trying to crap in my diaper. And I'm just like, give me a second. Did you take the bottle out like, is it? What? Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> um, Holy Spirit was talking to him. That's it. <laughs> Well, evangelist, um, yeah. toddler evangelist. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's, um, my mom was very um, focused on what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. So I was r- surrounded by a very, uh, let's say, religious, uh, I would say legalistic at this point. At that point, it's all I knew. Um, and then my mom remarried. We were there for several years. My mom remarried when I was five to my stepdad, who's my dad. He adopted myself and my brother. And then they had seven more kids um, in 11 years. So hmm. there ended up being nine of us. We didn't have cable. So that, <laughs> Obviously. Hey, yeah, they clearly I, didn't I, have I, cable. I, <laughs> no, man. <laughs> no cable. Not that, well, it was a sin, you know, of course, in my church tradition, it was a sin to watch basically anything on television. So right. you had to find something to do. Of <laughs> course, um, they were married, so they had something to do. I don't know what we were supposed to do. But anyways, um, so we lived in Charlotte until I was 10. We moved from Charlotte to Brevard. My dad got transferred to Asheville. We ended up in Brevard. And I think a few of those kids were born. Forgive me, and please feel free to interrupt me. I got ADD out the ASS, so, you know, (laughs) uh, just interrupt me if I say anything that's unclear. So we moved to Brevard, and um, I was in a church with a lot of the staff members from, I'm not going to say its name because it'll come up later, very conservative camp that got all of their counselors from Bob Jones and and schools like them. Mm Mm-hmm. I know you do. Um, Would that make you a hyper dispensationalist? Oh yes. Well, coming yeah. out of there, so, I think. I think when you add the ADD in, then yes, <laughs> <laughs> always, always. Yeah, yeah. No, and the, at the camps we would go to, when I would go to the the school, it was very much a fear. Everything was fear based. Gotcha. Um, it was turn or burn, Ooh. and um, 
there was a one famous evangelist that would just he would just repeat five or six different descriptions of what it would be like to be held over a campfire forever and then get saved. <laughs> oh, and so I, I know guys that are, were pastors that wouldn't let their wives go hear him preach because every time he preached, they'd get saved again. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it would just scare the snot out of them. And then hmm. they'd run down and just to make sure, you know, and then you get the messages, do you know that you know, that you know, that you know, bless yeah. God. Right. And by the time they're done, nobody knows. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of grew up in that. And then everything was a sin, you know, uh, every style of music that wasn't written at least 300 years ago um, was a sin. And so you're kind of in this culture where my mom loved Jesus and talked constantly about what it meant to have an actual relationship with Jesus. And I can say that for sure. But every other real influence in my life was this domineering, terrifying, and, and it just built this idea in me that I knew I was never going to be good enough. So it didn't matter how hard I tried. It didn't matter what I wore. You know, it was the full suits and, you know, you're rebellious three if you piece. didn't wear the three-piece brother. Yes, yeah, and then we had to wear the pastels on Easter. Yeah, uh-huh. no, Nothing yeah. like taking the little kid's man card, like putting on a pair of <laughs> pink shorts, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that was the way it was. Well, when I was practicing for Yacht Club, it sounds yeah. like. Oh, dude. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Except there are no yachts of- in Brevard. <laughs> Preferred no, Yacht Club. No, if you have a yacht, you're greedy capitalist that doesn't actually love Jesus, right? Because you must oh, love money. Right. So that's a whole conundrum there. And you better not listen to Christopher Cross music either. You'll burn it straight in hell. <laughs> Christopher Cross? Christopher, Christopher yeah. Cross, yeah. Yacht Rock. Oh, yeah, you I'm not familiar. Money. I've never had enough money to be familiar with that. Sailed it. She was just singing that. You've heard the song. It's just you've forgotten it. Yeah. It was yeah. in flushed, okay. it was in flushed it. away. Yeah, y'all do some Eminem or something like that. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. America. <laughs> Sorry. Moving on. No, you're yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It was a real Slim Shady. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, we just sinned. So how about this? About? So Yeah, please. Salvation. I was thinking easy. Yeah, salvation. So uh, now your brother got saved at like three or four years old. He was evangelizing yes. you a lot. So mm-hmm. how about you? At five, I prayed. Okay. Okay, so at like five years old, I prayed something um, because it was what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure at that age, I believed the stuff, but I had no real concept of what it meant. Sure. Um, and it wasn't anybody's fault around me and my family. It was just what I was supposed to do. How mm-hmm. can we? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think there are many that, from my perspective, it was just something I was supposed to check off my list. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's children that truly place their faith in Jesus. For yeah. me, I was just repeating the prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I kind of just went through my life truly trying to be a, like being the good Christian kid, but there was no kind of, um, I think it was just trying to check the boxes. Right. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I can't tell you, I know a lot of people say, if you don't know the date, you don't know the time. I'm not hundred percent sure when the yeah. thing stuck. I don't believe that at all. Not knowing yeah, the date and no. the time. It's such a process. That well, that's good. <laughs> I don't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so right. I'm not going to. I know the month th- and the year, but I don't know the date. Yeah. I'm not going to throw you out or anything. Yeah. That, now, in somewhere around, I, I and, you know, I believe in traumatic experiences. You kind of repress things. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what age I was when it happened, but one of the youth leaders at the very conservative Christian church where everything was a sin, we were at in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that sentence structure made any sense, but um, I was molested over the course of a few years mm-hmm. by a youth leader. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, 
what did I say in one of those last episodes about a wolf in shepherd's clothing? Not mm. a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a wolf in shepherd's clothing. We have mistranslated that in the Bible. I am almost 100% convinced. And this was an example of he was a wolf in the shepherd's clothing. He's supposed to be a pastor. Right. And he did that thing to you. That's... Yeah. And, and you're not alone, just so you know. We've had people in here that have said... Had similar experiences where a leader of a church it's has taken advantage. It's almost alarming how how many. Oh, it is. Yeah, I, and I know it's not uncommon. Um, for me, it was I was which in, I mean, and by, by me saying that I don't yeah. mean to make it sound like yours doesn't matter. Of course it does. Oh, no. not like oh well, it's happened to everybody, so get over it, Josh. That's not what I meant. I just meant like it's happened. It's very very common, and it is life altering. It is. Yeah, and I think as a as a young man, you know, I was an athlete, so I was always playing some sport or something. And I'd like I, everybody to know that he's quite handsome. Yes. And I'm not saying that just because he made eyes at me when he came <laughs> out. Yeah, he is. You should see him at youth camp. When he speaks at youth camp, all oh, the girls are like, oh my God, oh, we're going to I Josh's. can't even imagine. We're going to Josh's. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. <laughs> when I walk in, truth. people start That's asking me for presents at Christmas time. <laughs> well... I get it. No, I, I'm uncomfortable though because I started talking about somebody diddling me, and Andy starts talking about how attractive I am. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, the timing was oh, awful. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Thanks, I'm done here. <laughs> That's good. Awesome. Yeah, well, you know, he, he was one of those. He's one of those dudes that would, um, you know, he take the guys to the pool where he worked after the service, and everybody would swim, and then he'd wait till right. You, he would kind of get the. And I was the bad kid. You know, I was the I like was the, the one that was sheep. always in trouble. I was I was always saying stuff I wasn't supposed to say, as I'm sure a lot of you guys can tell. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I would always ask why. You know, they would say this is wrong. Why? Yeah. Um, but anyways, he um, he kind of it was nothing horribly traumatic. Um, I didn't think. You know, he would just try to. Well, I don't want to be too descriptive yeah. in here. It wasn't anything that that reached a. Um, yeah, diddle's a good word. Yeah, I get uh, you it. Know, I apologize for those of you who I've kind of gotten to a point where I can laugh about it um, mm-hmm. now. I know this might not be healthy, but I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. When I was 16, I told my parents I'm leaving, I'll never be back, um, and sort of bounced and became what I like to call an attempting atheist, mm-hmm. right? So I everything, with the exception of a few key people, like my brother and I, Joey, were super close. I love all my little brothers and sisters. Love them. My mom, I know, loved Jesus and understood what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. Everybody else in my life, from what I could tell, were using it as a weapon to control people. Mm-hmm. And they sure. were always willing to twist the Bible to 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 reach that end, mm-hmm. right? So when I started at 15, 16 years old going, okay, so you say this is a sin. Why? It was never, well, this is what the Bible says and this is what it means. Mm-hmm. It was, it's your rebellious spirit that makes you want to question the rules. Right. And if you weren't rebellious, you would just obey. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was, they were always trying to, to water down Christianity and, and Christ down to obey the next person above you. Mm-hmm. Right. So all of Christianity was supposed to be summed up with obedience to somebody. Mm-hmm. And what, what I started to realize was, well, if I was in that church, I'd be following a different set of rules. And if I was in that church, I'd be believing something else. And I realized that it was, there were no answers. So I start reading, you know, the God delusion and, and watching all the things that Harrison Hitchens and, 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 uh, Dawkins you got hitch slap. I got hitch slap. I yeah. never read that for the record. Probably so the guy, unbelievable, just but. so you know, the guy that actually, uh, 
debated Christopher Hitchens is going to be on our show in June. Doug Wilson. Yeah, man. Are you serious? Yeah. I watched several of his oh, videos. He's awesome. Dude, I'm going to be in a tent. I'm going I'm to be set up out here. <laughs> it's a Zoom call, but you you know, uh-huh. you can come know, in and right? be on the Zoom call if you want. Well, I'll be creepy on the Zoom call and give my Andy look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you got a hitch slapped. I, yeah, man. And I went into all of it and I loved it. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to give me the answers I need. Because if that's God, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the combination of all of this. And there's a lot of stories that we don't have time for of things that would happen. So I would break the little rules, mm-hmm. whether it's I'd show up with a CD of contemporary Christian music and be in a room with seven people telling me how rebellious I was. Um, just, I mean, talking stupid stuff. It was a sin to go to movie theaters, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so I'm a, I'm 16 years old going, you bunch of morons. Like, so a 27 inch TV, no Satan, 40 inch TV, no Satan, 45 inch TV. We're getting close to sin. <laughs> but as soon as that screen gets that big, like, Oh, Satan's in it. You that know was I mean? the, Wow. Yeah. yeah. That oh, was yeah. an interesting. Well, yeah. they would use all different sort of things. They would try to say that the verse that says, uh, uh, appearance of evil. Um, what is that? It's in Peter, isn't it? What's that? Um, the appearance of evil. Uh, oh, you're talking about the Bible scripture. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, not basically not to give the appearance of evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the word means forms of, mm-hmm. right? But they say it means that if it looks like you're sinning, you can't do it. Well, if you if you take that logic out to its fullest extent, anybody can say anything and we better not move Mm -hmm. at all ever. And so I started asking questions like that. And people that wouldn't go to restaurants if they served alcohol because somebody might think you were drinking. Right. Then 16-year-old me goes, the word in John 2 is oinos, O-I-N-O-S, right? That's the word that's used. It's like, oh, no, it's grape juice. No, it's not. No. Because Paul says, be not drunk with wine, and he uses the same word. Well, Paul says you can be drunk with it, then what Jesus made was alcohol. Well, I always thought one of my favorite arguments was, and I used to argue this with my foster mom, I used to say, um, if they keep calling him a wine bibber, do you think that's because he's sipping on Welch's grape juice? Right. No, it's because they know what he's drinking. Right. And he's, he said, uh, John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking. Right. What, what is it? You called him, um, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss uh, quote it. But then he says, when the son of man came both eating and drinking, yeah. mm-hmm. and you called him a glutton and a drunkard. Right. Yes. Right. And he clearly says, John the Baptist didn't drink. I do. Right. Um, and it's not because Jesus was out getting sloshed. Clearly. No. Because Paul clearly says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is access to be filled with the Spirit. But instead of telling us what the Bible said, they gave us the the fences Mm -hmm. and said, well, don't worry about what the Bible actually says. Don't worry about what's actually true. Don't look at where the evidence points. Don't look at what the word means. Just just buy it. Just follow the rules, man. Follow the rules, bro. Mm -hmm. Right? And I'm sitting there making jokes I'm not supposed to make, saying words that I'm not supposed to say. And they're like, well, what in, in growing up, it was, well, Christians don't. Drink, smoke, or cuss. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I would go, okay, well, we know Jesus drank, and we know he made wine. So, ah. Yep. Right? Ain't nothing in there about smoking. Mm-hmm. Right? And before you start talking to me about the temple. There is something about smoking. Uh, there is. What? Rebecca, she lit up on a camel whenever she went to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That was great. Oh. That counts as your joke. <laughs> That's a dad joke. That's a dead joke. Yeah. It is a dad yeah. joke. So, so, yeah, nothing about smoking. Right, then, right. Like, not conclusively. Certainly right. nothing to say that it's sinful. I mean, if we're going to, you know, slam the... And I was in a Baptist church. Right. It's in the bylaws that you have to practice gluttony at the church mealings. The, first, the, the church meals. <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah. Right? Slam the castle rolls, brah. And right? brah 
chicken. Yeah, yeah, and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody, but this is what I'm thinking as a kid. Man, you haven't seen your feet in 15 years <laughs> and you're preaching against smoking. What are you talking about, right? And then the cussing thing. So go, they were saying shit a few hundred years ago as part of the common language. Yeah. And then Webster's it's Dictionary. It's an Anglo-Saxon word yes. for poop, and that's yes. the word they use. Exactly. That's right. And 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 so then I'm going, so the Webster's Dictionary decides it's going to be called profane now, and God's up there going, oh, no. Yeah. It's a sin now, <laughs> right? And it made no sense to me. So but when I would ask the questions, there weren't biblical answers. It was just shut up. And do what you're told, yep. right? Be a good yep. little boy, part your hair on the correct side, get you a King James Bible. That actually wasn't in my church. No. Uh, it was just everybody else around us. Um, <laughs> get you KJV a, only is a big thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. King James only, which uh, I married I, I have a lot of people that, that will not come on the show just because I'm, you know, I quote other versions of scripture. Really? Yeah. Really? That surprised me. My, so when I was dating my wife, her father broke us up because I wasn't KJV only. Mm -hmm. Stop uh, it. It didn't work. No legit. Yeah. And now you got grandkids. It's been a so year. You got the grandkids yeah. for him. So. Yeah, they all do. Yeah. It's been a year not allowed to be together until she turned 18. Wow. Because I didn't use the... I preached at a... When I was... I don't know what how old I was. Anyways, I preached at a place and like 16 people made a profession of faith. And he told me because I was preaching out of the New American Standard, none of them were saved. <gasps> uh, yeah. Hey. What? I just want to ask him what version of the Bible Jesus preached out of because <laughs> it wasn't the King James. That would be the King Jesus version. There it was you the go. Septuagint, actually. No. Wait, I mean, he was, was the word bro. he preached from himself. He was, was definitely using the. Oh, did you say he preached himself? He preached from himself. Oh yeah. He is the word. That's he did. Right. He, no, did right, right. he did read from the Hebrew yes. whenever he was in the synagogue. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. my King James right Bible his... isn't Hebrew, it's English. <laughs> I've never followed a rule in my life so tightly as one that is like, I can't imagine being religious and somebody being like, I'm coming to Jesus, whatever it is. And and then and then you're like, no, no, you're not. You're good at this, no, Andy. you're yeah. not. No, you're not. That was the wrong. You heard words from not exactly the right book. It's real close, but it's not exactly the right book. So no, no, you're not. Like mm -hmm. that is madness. Yes, it is madness. It is. And, and what's crazy about it is if you take again taking it to its logical conclusion, that means there is no translation in any other language. That is, yeah. the, and they call the 1611 God's final authority. And if you tell them you're actually using. At least a 1789. They're doing the authorized. Revision. They're not doing the 1611. No. They can't even read the 1611. No. All the S's look like F's. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever read the Pafomph? <laughs> <laughs> Turning the Pafomph. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was just have faith, right? So faith, instead of it being placing my, my trust in Christ based on the evidence of his death, burial, and resurrection, it was blindly obey whatever the dude we stick in the pulpit says. And I just couldn't do it. And um, so I, I bailed on that, became, like I said, what I like to call an attempting atheist, still had never told anybody what happened with yeah. the guy in the church. Right. Um, and then I um, kind of poured all my energy into basketball. So I'd been homeschooled. I'd been playing like seven rec league games a year couple of guys saw me playing in a tournament and said, hey, man, you need to come play with us at our high school. And I said, um, no way I'll, I'd be good enough to play varsity basketball. And they said, uh, yeah, we think you might. And so 
I wasn't officially recruited by a public high school because that's illegal. Yep. But the coach found a way to watch me play pickup and then sent a message from somebody else. If you come here, you'll start. Mm-hmm. So four months later, I'm a junior at Rosman High School. Mm-hmm. Starting, we ended up going, I think it was 26 and four or something. And um, I was our leading scorer through half of the season until I hurt my ankle. And then um, played with, I mean, I played with some incredible, it was like a tiny school that just happened to have a ton of talent. Yeah. That, you know, for those couple of years. And in the midst of all that, I am wrestling. I'm mess, messing up my timeline, I'm sure. I'm wrestling through the stuff that, that I'm going, I really don't want this God to be real. I'm dealing with the pain of what what the hell am I now? Yeah. Because I'm a, I'm a man, but why was it that this dude decided that I was the correct target mm-hmm. in my church? But when I played basketball, you couldn't. It was the it was like this safe place. Inside those lines, I could dunk on you or I could shoot over you. And so I just poured all of my worth into it. It is what I was. I couldn't figure out what how I felt about God, Jesus. I believed it. I would tell people about it, but I'm like broken mm-hmm. at the same time. And uh did that for two years. This was back when on on a dare in between seasons, I pulled a car out onto a basketball court and jumped over and dunked. Like mm. it, so it was everything to me. Um, and uh, you jumped over the car, yeah, over the hood, not over the very top, Still. but over the hood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, very. jumped over the hood of the car and did a windmill and all that stuff. And um, I started getting scholarship offers and all that stuff. It was sort of like this escape for me, and it was where I could actually matter. I spent my whole childhood going from authority figure to authority figure, desperately trying for somebody to tell me I was enough. Just tell me I'm good enough, mm-hmm. right? Then when this other stuff happened, that added a whole lot of of insecurity and issues to that. Then I get on a basketball court. I've got a thousand people losing their freaking minds when I'm shooting the ball from 30 feet, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, I matter now. And I found the thing. So I'm going to pick one of these schools. I'm going to go play basketball in college. And I'll still... Like, I found a way that I was the man. Everywhere else, I felt like a broken little boy. Mm-hmm. When I'm playing basketball, I feel like I am the man. You can't tell me anything, you know? And you probably found there was a lot of adult men that were in the church that probably spoke to you in a much more positive way because you were winning for their schools, right? No. No? The men in the school told me that I was sinning by going to a public school to play basketball. Oh, really? Yeah. And that it would be a sin for me to go play college basketball because I had to go to a Christian college. Oh, wow. Am I helping you with your conversion over there, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> totally. yeah, getting closer every minute. Getting closer every second. It's a warm, fuzzy place, brother. So, and But I had sort of distanced myself from that church. I just heard to the grapevine, you know? And they found ways to tell me. So my senior year, uh, Barton College wanted me. And uh, they ended up, the following year when I was supposed to be a freshman there, they ended up winning the national championship and played on CBS while I sat on the couch and cried. Because when we were playing our rival, um, kid hit me in the jaw. And uh, my head bounced off the floor. And I got a, what they initially said was just a concussion, which we found out later. Excuse me. Had a burp. <laughs> Wendy's never tastes good the second time. <laughs> so uh, it really doesn't taste good the first time, but no, it does. On. But I was in a hurry, man. <laughs> I had to get here by six. Uh, better than McDonald's. I stopped yeah. buying Wendy's one day when I got a hamburger that tasted like a fish burger. 
Oh, at Wendy's? That was, yeah, that was it. I was like, I'll get the nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Nobody yeah. can screw up nuggets. Uh, McDonald's, Sorry. bro. You been to McDonald's? I, you know what? I still think like that's the best of like Wendy's, Burger King, McDonald's, the, yeah. the main trio. I still prefer McDonald's. Yeah, that's why you're going to hell. <laughs> Just adding it to the list, brother. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, a heathen who who loves McDonald's. Well, loves is a strong word for what's <laughs> happening here. But. Better, better than the alternative. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah I don't well, really. So eat is heaven. I'm, don't. I, I, I'm about to like tell you more about my fast food preferences. Let's go. This is good. I'm yeah. Enjoying it. Yeah. yeah, there's a old rock song. I hope they serve nuggets in hell. Isn't that a song? <laughs> yeah. So you're at home crying because you've hit your head on the floor. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 um, I ended up losing like 35 pounds in a few months. Played the rest of the season with double and triple vision. I just didn't tell Ooh. anybody because we were we were a team that was we got one way one game away from the state championship. And if I hadn't been hurt, I'm convinced we would have won. Uh, maybe not the state championship, but we would have gotten to it. And then my life sort of crumbled. I'd started dating my my now wife about a year before then. In the meantime, while I'm dating her, in the middle of my senior year, her Piling dad decides. That sin on. Well, d- no, we weren't. No, me and my woman. Yeah, no, really, we not at that. That point. is awesome. But yeah. it's still sin. Yeah, it's it, not sin to date. Almost. Well, it depends on which side of the opposite sides of the couch with a chaperone if in the room. If you don't have room for, for the from, Holy Spirit, if you you're think of sinning. it, you just leave a chair there for Jesus. You know, how that <laughs> save a chair, save room for Jesus. Yeah. So you've got, so you've now, you've you're, you're you got your girlfriend. Yes. Yeah, and I've, you're I've, not gonna. You don't win the state. I've I've got my woman. Um, the doctor tells me I can't play for at least a year. So all of my college plans, all the scholarship plans, have to go on hold. Um, at some point there. And again, timeline, it was a brain injury, so it's very fuzzy. Mm. Somewhere there, I kind of fell into some sort of depression, sort of end of myself, because I had just sort of gone through life trying to find something to be good enough. And at some point, I realized I never was going to be. Mm. And so my, I think my goal with digging into a lot of the philosophies is if I can deal with the fact, if I can get rid of the creator that is supposed to love me and clearly doesn't, mm-hmm. that will at least be some sort of peace for me. Mm-hmm. Just some way for me to deal with the fact that all his children suck, mm-hmm. right? And I was, I was, went into my room. We were, we were dating. I was working somewhere just trying to make some money all my plans were gone and i was listening to eminem on my way home and i had an eminem cd and that's my... definitely sinning <laughs> yes yeah. but yeah. i love Go eminem yeah, yeah me sure. too sorry yeah. distraction was it was it the, the shareable size 3 a.m 3 a.m in the morning yeah. okay anyways i know was it the marshall mathers lp you were listening i don't to remember or? which one it's on hmm. I, I had them all and then i would you know i hit them but i had one in my <laughs> in my cd changer and I'd been dealing with all this stuff where this God, if this is God, I don't want to have anything to do with him, right? But I was also very depressed, was contemplating suicide. I'd taken a handgun out of my dad's room one night. And um, because I had put everything into this game in just an instant, it was Chance. gone. It was gone. And and a brain injury makes you that much more susceptible to that sort of like 
you know, depression and stuff like that. It For really, sure. It really is. It, For sure. And it, it would come in waves. It wasn't, it was like the depression would come in waves. And one night I walked in and I've been dealing with this at least a year. I went in my room, tried to turn on Eminem, accidentally turned on a song and, and it's a cheesy group, but it's a song by a group called Phillips, Craig and Dean. Yeah. Oh yeah. Called God ran. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I've got all of this religion in my head. All I'm going this to see stuff. Him in a month. All really. Um, yeah. <laughs> Those three are still living. And they're still together. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So, and their song called came on, and it started started out Almighty God, the Great I Am, Omnipotent, all that stuff. And I'm sitting in my and and I just I I didn't feel like getting up and changing it yet. And I still don't know why that came on because it came on the radio. I tried to turn on the CD player. The radio came on and that song was on. And the whole time it's naming all these attributes of God, the names of God. And I'm going, oh, okay, yeah, uh, let's hear more of this crap, you know? And it got to the chorus. And this is the only time I ever saw him run. He ran to me, took me in his arms, held my head to his chest and said, my son's come home again. Mm. And it was like... For the first time, I actually contemplated what it meant if that was true. I knew what crap I had seen. And I'm like, what if I'm throwing away the real thing? Because some of the people that pretend they're his kids suck. Mm -hmm. And so I just sort of sat in it. And then I got down beside my bed and I said, here's the deal. I've been trying to run away from you for a few years now. Um, if you're real, we're going to start over. No tradition, no denomination, no more of everything I've been told, just me, you, and the Bible. And I did. It's funny because I think a lot of the the guys that I was studying, the Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and all of them, all of their explanations for existence from the way they dealt with the teleological argument or the moral argument or any of it, I—, I it was always so hollow and empty. It just didn't hold up mm-hmm. from a logical standpoint to me. But I didn't have anybody in my life that would give me the right answers. They just told me to believe. And so I dove into all the I, you know, the writings of the guys that were actually trying to answer those questions. Whether it's William Lane Craig and John Lennox, the mathematician, this debated some of those guys. Oh, the British guy. Brit- oh, man. Yeah, I could very listen Brit. to them all day. Very British. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would listen to all of them. And I, I came to the conclusion sometime in there that Jesus was who he said he was. Mm-hmm. And he died, was buried, and he rose again, and there was good evidence to believe it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to be the mindless robot that everybody had always tried to turn me into. Mm-hmm. And that I could follow Christ and have that joy and peace that I'd always heard about that nobody around me seemed to flip and have, mm-hmm. you know, like I always joke that if you want to figure out who the pastor's wife is in a church, look for the most miserable woman <laughs> you can find. <laughs> right. And that's the dude's wife that keeps talking about the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to give this a shot. And at some point there, I came to the conclusion that Jesus is who he says he is. Mm-hmm. And that, the only way that I would ever have any value, feel valuable, have joy, have peace, be anything besides the little kid that got molested and whose dreams were taken away and all of that, the only way I could find anything in life of any value was in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I started over. And so it was just you and the Bible? Yes, sir. So 
You're how old? 18, 19? I, somewhere between 19 and 21. Okay. Yeah, because I ended up getting married in 21, and it was sometime during that dating engaged mm-hmm. period. Now, is your wife, was your wife a believer this entire time? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so she Did was. Did she have any influence on you, would you say? As far as like a quiet missionary, somebody that was being, I imagine she went kid. to church, right? And she modeled it, the, the right Christian kind of, behavior yeah. for you. Oh, of course. Yeah, she modeled good Christian behavior. And I would say that most of my struggles were internal as opposed to lifestyle choices that I made. Like My wife's the only person I've ever had sex with, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so I didn't, it wasn't one of those things where I rejected everything and went nuts. Mm-hmm. It was internally, I'm fighting with this. Is there any purpose? And am I ever going to matter? Mm-hmm. And she was just consistently loving, right? So to this day- We'll say that again. She yeah. was just consistently loving. Yeah. That's, uh, I really wish people would do that, you know, yeah. just be more consistently loving. Yeah. And that's who she. You can even have all of your theology wrong. Yep. You can have all of your eschatology wrong. You can have everything wrong. But if you have consistent love towards another person, you're going to be surprised what it'll do for another human being. Yes. And I, and I think that would be the best description if I had to describe my marriage. Mm-hmm. She's consistently loving, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. that's what, that's who she is. Yeah. And so. Is she the, the miserable preacher's wife oh, sitting down no. in the church? She, not at all. First of all. I know, she, she, I know who she I've is. I've seen her. She's I definitely her. not. She's no. actually got a very cool sense of humor. Great sense of humor. Smoking hot. <laughs> well, I just wanted you to say out loud that she was not like the other preacher's wives because you're a preacher and you just no. said all preacher's wives are the most yeah. miserable wretch in the room. Well, I think it's her husband's fault, right? Right. Um, but I just wanted you to clarify that she's not. No, she's not. She's she's uh, she's she's an RN. She you know mm-hmm. does her thing, but she's uh, I have health issues. Some more that cropped up later in life, and was uh, it still from the original? Do you know? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that all happened at. When I was 18 or 19 was when the original concussion happened. And then when I was 20, I wish she was here to tell me. At 27 or 28, I was driving down the road. The whole one side of my body went completely numb and then eventually paralyzed. Like a Bell's Posse type? Uh, yeah. Well, we didn't know. know. Don't know. Didn't know what it was. And then I couldn't speak and it looked like a stroke. They, they tested me for a stroke. Over the next several months, we had a bunch of tests. And um, they call those episodes. And I've had probably 90 of those in the past eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, most recent being yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, sp- I'm supposed to stay in bed for at least two weeks after I have them. Wow. Um, Thanks, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I had to get up and go to work. I do construction, right? Mm-hmm. So it was, you got to do what you got to do. But um, that's a whole other. I don't want to get into all that. I, I have a specialist in Arizona that I had to, I had to find, I had to go to the Mayo Clinic in Arizona to find somebody who knew what was going on. Mm, wow. And they have greatly helped me in limited. I used to have 12 hour episodes. I'd puke for 10 hours. Holy Lord. Worst pain you can possibly imagine. I'd lose 10 pounds every time I had one. Mm-hmm. Had 14 the first year. Couldn't work for two years. This happened. I had a daughter. So my wife got pregnant three months after we got married. I was 21. She was 19. Mm-hmm. We had Kiana two years later. We had a neighbor of a, at an apartment complex call us and say, hey, I, my granddaughter doesn't have anywhere to go. DSS is coming to get her. Um, do you know anybody who might take her? I was making $9 an hour at the time, and we jumped wow. in the car and went and got her. And uh, so Kiana's now almost 14, and Kenzie is 13 and 11. Wow. Um, but anyways, at 27 or 28, I got diagnosed with this stuff. I was in bed for two years. 
in that you talk about consistently loving. Mm -hmm. So during these times, I couldn't walk, couldn't really think very clearly, you know, for long stretches of time. And uh, she would pick me up, help me go to the bathroom, take care of me, go to work. And before we figured out how to manage it, what I could eat, what I could see, uh, excuse me, what I could look at, what I can hear. So Mm -hmm. there's different things that'll set off what they call episodes. And I've been able to limit those quite a bit, mm-hmm. but it still has pretty dramatic effects on my health at times. Well, I'm glad you went that far because we jumped way ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, gl- I'm glad you did because now that you know, like obviously I introduced you as a pastor of a church. Yeah. And, I, and now you're talking about this condition that you have. And we don't know how you decided to become a preacher. We know that you had this mm. moment of faith where you're like, okay, God, we're going to start over at you in the Bible. So at what point did you start to preach in your life. Okay. So when that moment happened that I was like, okay, Jesus is it. Yeah. And I, and I'm confident in that. I was like, oh, well, I want to tell other, I want to tell teenagers because I was somewhere between 19 and 21 at this point. I can't Mm -hmm. remember exactly when it happened. I think I started this when I was engaged. So I would have been 20. I want to tell people about this and I want to take out all the crap that pushed me away. So I started a a Bible study for teenagers on Tuesday nights. The first Tuesday night we had seven, six months later we had 80. Wow. And then a year after that, we were running like 180. We would do a once a month, we would do this big event service on Saturday nights. And there was like 180 kids. In the midst of this, I know Jesus is real. My eternity is secure, as they say, right? Mm -hmm. I placed my faith in Christ, but I haven't dealt with all of the strings attached to the trauma, whether it be sexual stuff or just what it was like to be in that environment. Right. I was an angry, angry person. Mm-hmm. The only person I had any love for were people that weren't. The people that I perceived to be the people that church people don't like, mm-hmm. I had all the love in the world for them and I hated everybody else. Mm-hmm. So anybody that I perceived to be quote unquote religious or church people um, that I perceived to have the same attitude of the people that I had growing up with, I got nothing for you. And I would go out of my way to just piss them off. Mm -hmm. Whether it was what I wore, what I say, you know, the way I looked, the way I styled myself and my hair and the gauges and my ears and all this. And I got no problem with any of that. It still wasn't me. Mm -hmm. I was just a basketball player. Then I ended up with tattoos and this stuff. And again, I've got no problem with tattoos, but I wish I didn't have the particular ones that I have Mm -hmm. because the only reason I got them was because they wouldn't like it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I see all these kids are accepting Christ. All these people are kids are coming to faith and I'm broken at the same time, which is just Jesus does what he wants to do. Right. Regardless of my brokenness, but it's growing so fast. I can't manage it. Um, I can't manage myself, my own emotions. So I'm, I'm like this high of knowing that this is a good thing and I believe it and it's real and people are being saved by Jesus and I'm just wrapped up in rage mm-hmm. at everybody and everything. And uh, well, at some point that continued. I started a church because why not? Just had a youth ministry blow up to 180. May as well start a church. So Where did you start all that at? Brevard. Yeah. In the church? No, a, a local church um, let us use their building because they thought we'd have 10 people coming. Eventually, they asked us to leave once we had, you know. It was just too many. That's amazing, no? Yeah, there was just a you little. You had that little building off 64, right? 
Is that was that that first church? Between Etowah and Brevard. It was on the left if you're going towards Brevard. Wasn't it like a brown, almost, you had like a building there at one time. Well, when we started the church, we'd bounce between a bunch. You're talking about, um, shoot, you're about the skate park, the one that we were in the skate park out uh-huh. of? Okay, yeah, we so. did that at some point. Yeah. So we started the church. It grew really, really fast. So at this point, I'm 23. Started the church when I was 23. Mm-hmm. Again, love Jesus. He is, I, my, identity eternally is in him. My identity as a person and how I see myself is still wrapped up in, you know, the abuse victim or the kid that was never good enough, could never measure up all that rage. Mm -hmm. Start the church at 23. By the time I'm 25, we've got 180, 190 people. Southern Baptist convention comes to me and says, Hey, you got one of the fastest growing churches in the area. We really want you to join because of the group of people that had been coming to our church, the people that needed Jesus, people that um, were not welcome in other churches. We had a hundred and let's say 180, 190 people in our church and like $150 in the offering. Mm -hmm. We don't have the money to rent a space. We don't have money for any of it. We're just going for it. I had huge ash buckets out front. Because you'd have 180 people in church, 90 of us would be outside smoking, right. including me. Because mm-hmm. after my brain injury, I picked up smoking. Doctor told me later it was for self-medication. I just didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. We'd all be out there smoking, go in, do this. We had to put a portable baptistry in the church because people were getting saved so fast. At the end of the service, we would just dunk them. Southern Baptist Convention comes to me, the local guys, hey, Shoot, man, I, there's too many parts of the story. I got to back up a touch. Go ahead. Am I talking too much? No, no. this is your. This is you. Do yeah, it. but interrupt me and tell me to shut up if I need to. No, I'm so sick and he tired is, of hearing your testimony already. I know. So boring. Well, that's what I've been concerned about. So, no, so, so back so. it up. Back it up. It's good. Back You're totally it up. having a Jesus revolution. Totally. Haven't seen that movie. Back it Anybody up. that shuts no, up, Ralph, Andy, have long? you seen the Jesus Revolution movie? I have not. You need to, buddy. Hey, we're praying for you. You haven't so, seen it yet. <laughs> he's, a, he's such a ball buster. All right, back it up, Josh. I love, I love this like this like genuinely like grassroots thing though. So often when somebody yeah. talks about like he didn't use the words grassroots, I did. But so often when somebody talks about grassroots things like that, it's complete BS. And yep. this is seems like a genuinely Legit. grassroots thing. Yeah, yeah, it's grassroots, except we had a lot of funding, you know, and oh, the use yeah, of other sure. people's resources. You know what I mean? Like, that's actual grassroots. Yeah. That's really impressive. We yeah. had this really Very tiny rare. church plant out of Saddleback, you know? Yeah. We, just, we stepped out on faith yeah. with $2 million. Yeah. And then those jokers write church planting books, just, right? Like, yeah. Totally. Listen, yeah, they just, do. Just a cool two find mil, the richest you guy. can do it too. Attach yeah. yourself to him. Start a church. You yeah. are now a church planter. Trust fund yeah. baby. Well, so we started this one, and and just some buddies. I was like, I'm starting a church, and like two people were like, me too, and uh, I want to help. And I was like, <laughs> great, this will be awesome. So it grew. No money, no place to meet. Southern Baptist Convention. The local guys come to us and say, you got a really fast growing church. We want to help you. We want to fund you. We want to do all this stuff. And I met with the local guys. About three or four years prior to this, I had a young lady come up to me and say, my little sister died in a car accident and burned to death. When I went to my pastor, uh, my youth pastor, he told me that the minute she stopped burning in the car, she started burning in hell and would be, be there forever. Oh, my God. And I grew up with this. Yeah. like So it's like shocking. 
Like what a douche canoe, but it happens every day, <laughs> right? She said, is it true that when my daughter stopped burning the car and she's going to burn forever? And I said, let me get back to you, right? So it's all I'd ever heard mm-hmm. was you die, you, you go to hell, you burn forever and ever and ever. And it made no sense from a logical perspective, but again, Josh Taya faith, right? So my brother in the meantime was taking some classes online came to me somewhere in that time frame and said, Hey, I'm studying this stuff. Have you ever heard of annihilationism? And I was like, nah, but I'm going to look into it because I just had got this question asked to me. And so I studied it for years. Um, uh, probably three years where I went through every translation. <laughs> was that woman waiting for three years? <laughs> just thinking I that. think I told her, I don't know. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, because I didn't want to be the guy to go that went, no, 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 everybody goes to heaven. I wasn't that guy. Right. Or, Not a universalist. Yep, she burning like crispy. Yeah, yeah. Or she definitely. She well done, girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> she <laughs> crispy. She well done. Afterlife. Crispy Smoking cream. or non. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah, yo, you've heard that. <laughs> yeah, I wish you could see Cherry's face right now. Cherry, you'll be all right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I studied it, came to the conclusion that in the the every verse in the Bible that deals with Gehenna, Sheol, Hades, uh, the lake of fire, all of those, they all mean something different. Mm-hmm. Like all those words are representing something else. And as I studied it, I realized that the Bible doesn't teach eternal torment. Mm-hmm. I got 97 reasons for it. The wages of sin is death. Tertullian's the guy that said that death doesn't mean death. It actually means separation from God. Mm-hmm. We borrowed Greek mythology's understanding of Hades to mm-hmm. come up, you know, in Dante's Inferno. We borrowed from that. Then we really borrowed from the Roman Catholic Church because there's never been a greater sales pitch. Like if somebody walks up to your house and goes, hey, you want to buy a vacuum? And he, <laughs> they spill, you know, pudding on your floor and vacuum it up real good. And have you ever seen a vacuum do that before? <laughs> right. And you go, I'm not interested. I don't want a vacuum. And then they say, yeah, but if you don't buy the vacuum, I'm going to burn you with a lighter <laughs> forever. <laughs> <laughs> You're buying the flipping vacuum, right? Sure. And then if when he gets done, was it George Carlin says, and he loves you, right? <laughs> like, I'm going to burn you. I want you to have this vacuum. I want you to have this vacuum because I love you. I made this vacuum because you're so special to me and because I'm good and I'm wonderful. And if you don't buy the vacuum, I'm going to torture you forever. And I would go, that doesn't make any sense. Torture is illegal in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament law, the Jews were not allowed to torture people. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Jude says that just as uh, the eternal fire of Sodom and Gomorrah is the evidence of the eternal fire in the lake of fire, Sodom and Gomorrah is not still burning. No, right? but, but they've never been in a city again, and we will never forget it. Exactly. And we're still talking about it today. Exactly. That's right. And, and the picture of the smoke rises forever and ever is, is a picture of eternal final judgment. Yes. Not God's giant torture chamber where he's burning us because he can. His fire pit where he's roasting marshmallows. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and John Calvin said that one of the great joys of heaven was going to be to look down into hell and watch sinners burn. Why we don't like to talk joy? about that. Yeah. But anyways, I don't know. He I was, thought that would break God's heart. Well, that was my understanding as well. So, and then it was, um, so all of these things, and then the wages of sin is death. Jesus took the punishment of us. And I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. Please don't misunderstand that. I'm not trying to take away from what Christ did on the cross. But I started asking myself, okay, if, if Jesus took my penalty on himself and you gave me the option of being tortured and crucified for six to nine hours, that's horrific. Thank you, Jesus. But if you, if I got to choose between that and burning forever in a campfire for eternity, 
Again, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but Jesus took our sin upon himself to satisfy the wrath of God, died once, which means our death would satisfy the wrath of God. So the only reason God would burn us in a fire forever is because he can. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. But he loves you. But he loves you. Mm -hmm. And the wages of sin is death. But instead of my wrath being satisfied, I'm going to burn you forever. And my wrath will never be satisfied, right? And then you got to deal with the... I need to move on. I'm taking up too much no, 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 time. But, no, but you, you bring a good point up because that is something that was you were presented with, and that is incredibly different from what you were raised around and what was very commonly taught. Yeah, which is a lot. Which is one of the reasons why I love you so much is because you don't allow outside pressure to tell you what your theology is. You let the Bible tell you what your theology is. You you let the Bible. Tell you. And that's, to me, that's huge. It does not have to be this way in order to satisfy the group thing that's going on beside you. You just, you, you've been, it seems like you've been alienated, but you haven't. Trust me, you haven't. There's plenty of people that are just like you, and we all love you, and There's we get There's nobody it. just like him. So how long did it take for, the, for you to tell the Baptist no? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So check this out. Check this out. Great question, old Ralphie Ralph boy. Ralph bringing it back yeah. around. Ralphie. Yeah, that was beautiful. Ralphie is on it over here. Okay, yes. so the Baptist guys, two of them said, let's have a meeting. I sat down with them. They said, we're going to give you a building. We're going to give you $4,500 every three months, right? And I'm like, dude, that's like nine times as much money as we've ever had in this church. Um, and I was like, that sounds interesting. And I sat down with them. I said, here's the deal. I've been studying hell for a long time. I know the Baptist faith and message. Y'all are real big into the torture chamber. I know y'all are into it. I know, you know, that's how you get kids to the front. I don't believe in eternal torment. I told him first meeting, I am an annihilationist and I will not preach eternal torment. And this would be a great gig. And they said, don't worry about it. It's not a problem. That's what the local guys Ooh. told me. And I was like, okay, but just so you understand, this is the this is the deal. They said, no problem. You didn't problem. get it in writing, did you? <laughs> I know I did not. I was like, oh, he seems like a harmless, nice <laughs> He's a Christian. It'll be all right. It'll yeah. be all right. I don't need that in writing, preacher. Oh, bless we just right. Bless him. Bless him. <laughs> so they have to do they have to do a year of like this, you know, they're gonna test us out, right? So you're you're in it. We're gonna give you the money. We're gonna give you this meet place to meet. And uh, we're going to help make sure all the bills are paid. And then, uh, but you have a trial period for a year, right? So everybody can look at you and go, these liberal, <laughs> they got ash buckets. That was a big one. <laughs> I'd always get confronted about that. You letting people smoke. Um, so over the course of these several months, I kind of, I had no reason to really to talk about hell that much, mm -hmm. but I had told them, they were like, no issue, no problem. Um there were some churches that were very uncomfortable with some of the stuff that we did, right? So I wore jeans and t-shirts and we would have, like I said, you'd have half the church out smoking before church. We had a bunch of homeless people that came to church. We had a bunch of drug addicts that came to church. People would show up drunk and I'd be like, come on. Like I had mm -hmm. one dude that wouldn't walk in. He said, I'm drunk. I said, it's all good. Jesus sitting scared, come in. That's kind of how we did things. Mm -hmm. And it was very offensive to a lot of people around us. And so about, Eight or nine months into our 12-month trial period, somebody asked me in the church about hell. I had had a private conversation. Somebody told, asked me a question. I told them what I thought about annihilationism. All of a sudden, I find out that there's a rumor going around that I'm a universalist. Mm. And for those listening that don't know what that means, it just means that you believe that everyone gets to heaven eventually, mm -hmm. right? Think Rob Bell. Some of you guys are familiar with Rob Bell. I'm not an, uh, a universalist. Mm -hmm. I've never been a universalist. I believe there's one way to God. 
mm-hmm. through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think that was- Well, the, universalists believe that too. They just believe that it's for everyone, it, whether it, they choose it or not. Exactly, right. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, repentance. <laughs> Rick thinks I'm talking about him. I'm I believe not, repentance. I'm not even looking at you, I brother. I you are. I'm you not a universalist? Not, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to get me off on a tangent. Sort of. Sort of? Yeah. Are you bald? Not this exactly. This is a testimony. We'll get into that later. Later. Yeah. Okay. Later. Okay, so I'll fight you on it, but no, maybe we, we'll Please debate it. Please do this. Please you do this. Now? Not now, but no. you schedule that. That's fine. Yeah. On that Saturday? No. I won't be here. Andy, we'll be praying for you, bud. Okay, so, <laughs> yes. so while we talk about that, okay, no, okay, so that was the rumor. I said, no, let, let, I just I need to preach this message. Like, I can't pretend. I'm not a politician. I've never been a politician. Either like me, don't. But if we have a problem, let's both say what we're thinking and we'll figure it out or we won't, right? So I got up and I preached the longest message I've ever preached in my life to date. It was an hour and seven minutes where I used every reference in the Bible to that could possibly be attributed to hell in any way or applicable. Preached the whole message, posted it. The next day, I got a call from one of the higher ups in the Southern Baptist convention. And, um, he said, Hey, I'm over this. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be too specific here. He said, I'm high up in church planning in the state of North Carolina. I just listened to your message. I said, okay. He said, I think it was probably the best message on hell I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. I think you're probably correct in your biblical interpretation. And I'm calling to tell you, I've got to kick you out. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. So then, so instead of standing up for you, yeah, he just yeah. he just let them roll you. you. To the, yeah, yeah, and there were forty two churches, forty two Southern Baptist I think churches. I know who that was too. And forty two of them got up in their services and announced to everyone that we had been kicked out because I didn't believe in hell. So the two men that I had met with were the local guys, who then told everybody that I had lied to them and <gasps> that they had never known anything about this. And that if they had known, we never would have been in the association to begin with. Mm-hmm. So that became my got it writing. quote unquote brand. Mm-hmm. That that was I was probably twenty. Let's see, twenty five or twenty six. Sure, that sure. started a bunch of depression, and and I needed to get healthy, and that brought a lot of rage and anger to the surface. And it took me till I was at least. So where does this preterist thing come in? Oh my goodness! Ooh. Okay, so the preterist thing is. Uh, that believers, when I was young, I would sit around and listen to all these guys, right? And so a couple of things are going to happen. One, if you don't make a decision today, when you leave, you're going to be in a car accident and you're going to die, right? Heard all those messages. Or get hit by a Mack truck. Or it's always the Mack, Mack truck. truck. Yes. The, the next thing is every Mac. time a Democrat got elected, Jesus is coming back. It's going to happen this time, right? And by the way, did y'all know that there was a bunch of evangelicals that, that said that Ronald Reagan— was the Antichrist? Oh yes, I because did. Ronald Wilson Reagan. Oh yeah, each of the three names. I had no idea. I just found that out recently. Each of his names started had six letters in it, so he was six six six. But anyways, I started hearing all this stuff, and it was that's a conspiracy theorist, sir. Big, conspiracy. New, big numerology well, people, the Christians. Yeah, well, not all oh, Christians. Dude, yeah. Conspiracy theorists. I'm well, kidding. so yeah. y- yes, and I was reading through Matthew, I believe it's twenty four, where Jesus said, "This generation will not pass away." Or twenty five. Anyways, it's twenty four. Twenty four. Right. He says, discourse. This generation will not pass away before all these things come to pass. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading it, and I'm going. Uh, they quoted these verses to defend the rapture. Oh, yeah. yeah. The rocks are going to fall on. Like, I'm, I'm reading all this stuff and I'm going, okay, this doesn't make any sense. 
And it always never, like, I read the Left Behind series when I was a kid, and I was like, this is hot garbage. <laughs> there is no way that Jesus came and died, said Invited it back is when finished. Uh, it is finished. And then and and then he 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 goes to heaven, right? So he hangs out, then he goes to heaven, and then he sits down at the right hand of the Father in power. Isaiah says, I will make your enemies your footstool, right? Sit at my right hand while I make your enemies your footstool. That definitely seems to be pointing to this period of time, like immediate, mm-hmm. right? But I was always taught we're just pilgrims in a dying, broken, sinful world waiting on Jesus to give up. And it was like, Jesus is supposed to be in heaven going, is it bad enough yet? Mm -hmm. Is it bad enough now? Hey, hey dad, can I go now? Hey, dad, can I go? (laughs) Like, has Satan won enough that I can go back and get the kids? And it made no sense. And so I listened to a series called The Last Days According to Jesus by R.C. Sproul. Sproul. Yeah, that's great. And I am a, I'm a massive Sproul guy. One of the reasons is because I, got, I was a, a smoker uh, for like 10 years, and he used to preach at John MacArthur's church. And MacArthur tells a story about him smoking outside. Hmm. And he'd flip a cigarette into the parking lot and walk in, borrow somebody's Bible and preach. And the man is a genius. Yeah. Right? A genius. So I'm not a Calvinist. It explains it. He he sounded like a smoker. Did. I didn't know he smoked, well, but it yes. sounded like it he sounds. Up, I think yeah. it led to his. It killed him, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, I'm a huge Sproul fan, and uh, I listened to that, and it was the first time anybody said anything about that that made any sense at all. Where I could look at Matthew, I could look at Isaiah, I could look at Revelation, and go, yeah, because John was was writing in a particular. Uh, with hidden meanings so his contemporaries would know who he was talking about. So he's trying to tell Jewish believers, hey, it's Nero, right? Yeah. And and they would have read 666 and gone, oh yeah, that's Caesar Nero, right? <laughs> they would have known it. <laughs> and now today we try to pull it out of its context and pop Talking it to them us. and their language in their time. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I believe in an early writing of all the all the books anyway, so but mm-hmm. uh, they were all written in the sixties, simply because one of them would have mentioned the destruction of the temple. But anyways. You would think. Um, you would think one of them would be like, Oh, by the way. <laughs> um, and although it's kind of a weak argument to me in Revelation, you know, the angel tells John to go measure the temple. Even though, I mean, of course, the book is symbolic. Let's be real. So whatever he was measuring, it wasn't the thing. But the temple was there. And you would think this is the center of the Jewish world. Yeah. You'd talk about the destruction of the actual place of worship. I I think it was the center of your life. If it was no longer there, you would have been like, oh, by the way. We're going to talk about this a lot. Life is over. That's right. It's done. Yeah. And so you look at the desecration, desolation, all those things, and you could see it fulfilled. And then I got into the, the, what is it, 69, which was the year of the... Uh, wars in Rome mm-hmm. and yep. and all of the the ways that all of that overlaid in prophecy and went oh yeah this has already happened yeah. yeah Jesus was prophesying which is why he said and to start out Revelation these things are about to happen mm-hmm. um, and no generation will pass away so that's where the post millennial came in post millennial partial preterist I'm not is I I'm not yet where Rick is in terms of preterism I don't think anybody, and other Rick I don't I don't know and if, other Rick yeah. I yes, think man. Rick and I are probably the closest. Rick. Yeah, yeah. It has to start with an R. But yeah. it, it's a very. I don't know if, if I don't think no, anybody I think, else is. I think I'm where he is though, and I'm another R. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm a partial guy. So I, I believe that all of that has happened, and there is a final day coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, which do, is what Sproul taught, and yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of 
people that hold to that yes. position. Gary Demar holds that he position, does. and Joel Richardson. Uh, yeah, there's, there's it's all the smart guys agree with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, Thomas. and that's and to be honest with you, we're not even going to get into that because we're coming to the close of the time. But sorry, no, 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 you're good. I just um, all I want to say, I'll, the only question I really want to ask you is, and one of you guys asked Billy's question that he always asks because he's not here to ask it. But you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, they're just debating on who's going to do it. Ah, you've you've been around enough people to understand, like. Well, let me ask you this question. Do you believe that all of those people that are in those churches that are following the rules, okay, and they're involved in that group, do you think that they deserve your love? Oh, yeah, of course. Do you think that they deserve your love whenever they're hating you? Yeah. Right. Right. And do you believe that if they do things that are going to destroy you or to make you look bad or whatever, that you still need to love them? Yeah. I, I do put them in categories. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. fine, but you still love them in categories. Uh, yes, <laughs> I really love this douche canoe. You know, like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Douche canoe. Yeah, to borrow I, from yeah. your for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I think that um, there are there are. Hmm. How do I put this? There are people that are hurting, broken, and desperately trying to do their best, and that's what those churches are full of. Those people are that, those churches are full of people who have heard one thing one way their entire life, and they're doing their best to make it. They're doing their best to pay their bills and take care of their babies and love Jesus the only way that they know how. And then there is a different class of people that are intentionally sticking with a system Kinda that like gives the them the most power. Yeah, like right? the Pharisees. And so I very comfortably say, "I love you, you whited sepulcher full of dead men's bones." Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are people that I would <laughs> hug and love and and have an enormous amount of patience for. And there and there I do I do believe that there are men who deserve to be marked, pointed out, and dealt with more harshly. Mm -hmm. Well, their day's I, coming. I think I do have a question. Go ahead. Way off the topic, and I've never asked anybody this before, but we've Ooh. had this subject come up in here. If at the very last second of Judas's life, he said, I'm sorry, I repent, where would he be? That's tough because you got to deal with the fact that Jesus said it would be better for you than if you'd never been born. So we're kind of dealing in a hypothetical Yeah, just a hypothetical. Space the from a theological perspective. I don't think Judas would have done what he had done had he not been given over to Satan, whatever that means in Scripture. But many of us have been given over to Satan, and if at the last minute we said, gosh, wow, I'm really sorry. There's no record that he did that, though. No, no, I didn't no, say no. there was. I, I just yeah, said, so just what if. It could be hypothetical. Hypothetically, what if at the last minute Judas realized his sin and repented? I, I believe that he would have been forgiven and saved in that hypothetical scenario because just like the thief on the cross if we believe that sinners need a savior and jesus sacrifice and he never went to the first it. church potluck well that's the thing <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah well i think yeah. his his actual sadness took him to that if he would have not killed himself he would have held on to that anger i think the sadness and wanting forgiveness like some people that are just absolutely lonely and we've talked about that situation where they can't find love, they can't find happiness in that moment. He, I'm sure he hung himself saying, I'm sorry. Well, I could imagine him being, um, turning him in because he was afraid of what was coming. 
look at what this is. We did this, and now look at everyone is after us. We're going to be killed. And I could see that scenario where he's afraid and he's turning him in because he, he doesn't want himself to be captured and killed. Very possibly. I would disagree with uh, he was he killed himself because he was sorry. Because I don't believe that there was repentance for what he had done, more of a fear. Um, it, it's like the, the phrase that says in, in, in the weeping and gnashing of teeth, oh, right? Yeah. That's, a, that's a posture of anger, not pain. Yeah. And I would say that the emotions that Judas had after betraying Christ were a function of his anger as opposed to repentance. Uh-huh. I mean, it right. could be. I mean, it's great to speculate because we we don't know yeah. his emotion or feeling at that moment. Well, I believe that I believe we know where he. I believe we know what Jesus said about his end. So if he had repented, then we would not know that about his end. Jesus said, "It's better for you if you've never been born." So we know he didn't repent and place his faith in in Christ. I think there's a difference between being remorseful and repentance. Agreed. And you can you. I mean, there are some people who can really honestly be very remorseful. But they never reach that point of true repentance. Because repentance the, is just with the humbleness that it takes. I only said they say that for the people out there that think that they've done the most heinous things. That if they could believe that if Judas really repented and he would be forgiven, that they could be forgiven too. I agree with you. And something if you he said would have earlier, really repented, he was, would have been forgiven. Uh, yeah, something you said earlier about heaven and hell. I've never, I haven't believed in hell for as long as I can remember. Uh, to me, hell would be separated from Christ. I mean, if I didn't, if if I didn't get in, if I didn't get to be with or think about or anything, I was just forgotten. That would be that to me. That would be hell. Yeah, I I believe that will be the ultimate end. I do believe in the judgment, and I do believe that there will come a time when the when unbelievers are death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire, and that lake of fire is different than hell. The lake of fire is the place of ultimate annihilation, ultimate destruction. So I will be believe it'll be an act of the wrath of God to destroy death and hell, sin and sinners. Um, that's how I interpret it, anyways. Well, before Cherry asks her question. I have to say, I've known Josh for probably about a decade, off and on. But the first time I ever heard him speak was at a church camp. with I went with the youth. And all my girls were like, we're going to go to that Josh's class. We're going to go to— And I was like, okay, girls, I'm just going to go monitor these things, you know. And it was standing room, sitting room. People were sitting in the floors. Girls were fanning themselves. I mean, it was something. But when he spoke, I'd never heard anybody speak like that. And I had been places where there were funny pastors— I had been places that are funny speakers, but I had never been somewhere where someone told a story with such genuineness, but in a way that none of us felt uncomfortable. Like what happened to him, we didn't feel uncomfortable. And when he spoke about Jesus and his, his, his coming to the Lord, it was real and you really felt it. And he was a little, what's the term? Um, he was very self-deprecating. Um, and he, he doesn't like to be called the funny guy and and don't get him started on that. Um, but I can't think of the word I'm trying to think of about how he was, um, you know, when you tell a joke that's sort of off color, but it's not really, what is that? What is that term? So I can't think of the word, but he was that way. Like he, he could tell about Jesus, but be modern about it. And the kids related to it and they understood it. And I heard him 
And the next year at the same camp, and he came and spoke at our church to the youth group several times. And my boy came home his first year in youth camp, and he goes, I don't know who that guy that spoke tonight was, Mom, but I want to be that. I was like, what? <laughs> and I, you know, and I follow Josh, and, and he gets mad when people say, well, you're the funny guy. But I think that's what's attractive about you. And I know he says you're physically attractive, but it's the way that you relate Jesus to people. It's real. It's raw. It's edgy. You know, like edgy, right? It's raw. It's just, it is real. And it it made me think that when I tell my story, I can be sort of raw and real. And, you know, I talk about abortion. You talk about um, being molested and, and your injuries and all that. But you tell it in such a way that you make Jesus real to people. And that's that's what I want. I don't want to be the Bob Jones. And there's nothing wrong with those people. They can have their own selves. But I think kids relate to that. And you have done such a good job relating to my children. My my oldest daughter, who's married, has, was in that. She was one of the reasons I was there. I'm like, you stay away from that, Josh. I'm like, yeah. Well, he's like, not reading it off of a script no. like some and people was, do. And you it know, was something— it yeah. wasn't over the top goofy, but it, it was a little goofy, but it was just raw and real. And I followed him ever since. And when he goes to speak, if, he, if I'm close by, I'm going to go and hear him. And I get something good out of it every time. So this is, you know, when I introduced y'all and realized that y'all had some of the partial preterist thing in common and that you find a church where somebody preached the stuff that you believe in. And I knew because of the way he preached because you're the same way when you when you share you're just a little bit off color you know we say inappropriate things from time to time and i've been called on that you all said a bad word on the air well you know what get over it was got an e by it for a yeah. reason you say them too you just don't want people to know that correct That's and all. and so all that to say <laughs> is is he's touched my children's lives um and for that i can't ever say thank you enough um but don't stop telling your story and don't stop going out there and making those videos, even if you are mad at, at the, you know, mad at the people. Do it. Continue to do it. So, Where is your church? Um, it's in Mills River. It's, uh, you know where Forge Valley Event Center is? Right across from that BP right there. Uh, we meet there. At, we have Bible class at 930, which is just open where everybody's just talking. And I'm, I kind of lead it, but it's very conversational. So and is it every a, Sunday? So because of my health stuff, we took a break and did it every other Sunday. And then in April, we're meeting the first Sunday and then the second Sunday and then the fourth. And we won't be meeting on the third and the fifth. And then come May, we'll be back to meeting every Sunday. So, yeah, and a shameless plug, not really a plug, but, you know, as a church planner, you don't just go out and, and do a quote-unquote non-denominational church when you're a annihilationist and a post-millennial partial preterist. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't have to agree with me to be a part of our church. If you care what the Bible teaches more than you care about what your granddaddy thought, then it's a spot where you would be comfortable. <laughs> I sent a couple that. of other full preterists that I know. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that Don, been there and, twice. Don and Jeff. Yeah, and they, I think they're going to keep going, which I think is great. They're really yeah. nice people. Yeah, they're sweet people. Yeah. But it's but you and thank you. You don't realize just how much what you've done just by making that little introduction. But it's been great getting to know you. And I don't know what that word is either. I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let her. I'm not gonna 
stop until she asked the question. I just, um, one, one thing that I, <laughs> I remember is behind the pulpit, you know, you said <laughs> he, he's very adamantly opposed to spanking in school, right? Like he doesn't want it. And he's like, a lot of the Christians were like, they need to bring spanking back. And you were like, yeah, like I want some grown man to come in there and spank my daughter, you dumbass. <laughs> this was behind the pulpit during a sermon. And I looked at him and I was like, <laughs> it did not shock me in the least. I was just like, I was agreeing, but I thought, yeah, if you were a Baptist, you'd be in a lot of trouble for that. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, And so after, yeah, but so after I'm sitting, I'm talking to his mother, whose name is Joy, right? Yeah. And I, I, your mother is so sweet. And I'm just talking to your mother and, and uh, Josh walks up and I was like, hey, that's pretty bold, you know? you know, cussing in the pulpit. And he was like, what? I cussed in the pulpit? And his mom goes, yes, honey, you cussed in the pulpit. <laughs> but truthfully, it's, you know, I wouldn't call that cussing. I just think, I agree with you. I don't think that grown men need to be spanking little girls in school. No. I think you, you know? preach to the people that I was always complaining about our churches that I would be in because I was involved in the churches and I would hear some of the things the pastor would say about we don't want them there and we don't want them there. I'm like, wait a minute. Those are all the people that Christ preached to. Yeah. So you want to preach to all the people that already believe and are already given money and you don't want the people to come in that need to hear the word because they're not saved. Okay, I don't understand. Yeah, and you do. You also you deal with pastors who, you know, at this point, I, I'm a volunteer pastor. I, I own a construction company with a few of my brothers. And when you're preaching to a bunch of people, if you upset them, they're going to take their their money. You know, you always said, take my ball and go home, but yeah. they're going to take their wallet and go home. It's like a corporate mentality. Oh, yeah. And you better not say anything. So you better not preach what people actually need because you're going to piss some of them off and they're going to stop giving you money and then you're going to lose your income and all that stuff. So I am blessed to be able to say what I believe is true. Yep. And uh, without, anyways. without concern. All right. Yeah. Will you ask the question, Cherry? Yeah. So thanks for not being a cookie cutter, traditional type of guy. Mm -hmm. Love it. Real is good. Um, do you think Peter cussed when he preached? <laughs> he, cussed a, he, he cussed a little girl out. Well, I mean, I, don't, I just wondered. You've been around that. a bunch of little girls before? I mean, it's not hard to do. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Just Teenagers kidding. are the worst. But anyway, so Billy would say, so when you die— where do you think you go? Uh, when you take your last breath, he always says. When well, I'm not breath. Billy. No, you're I not. I mean, I could do the flip-flops and the stool and <laughs> yeah, swivel right. around. So this one, this <laughs> is tough for me, right? Mm -hmm. Because Paul said to be absent from their bodies to be present with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. However, I do think there's a case. If Paul was speaking that his next waking moment, he would be, would be present with the Lord— then there's still a case to be made for soul sleep, where our souls lie dormant until a certain time. I believe at this point, I am undecided. I lean more towards a waiting state that isn't paradise versus Hades, but some version of a, a place where we wait and rejoice and are joyful and all of that. But it really is 51%. I go back and forth between believing that everyone who dies, because when it says the dead in Christ will rise first, mm -hmm. that's an interesting verse. If I'm right about my timelines, that's an interesting verse to try to jive with there in heaven waiting on us. 
the dead in Christ arise first. Who's rising? Is it just the bodies? How do we interpret these passages, right? And so I think that there may be a, uh, I don't know. Well, are those pre-rapturists that go and then post-rapture, uh, everyone goes right away? Yeah, I don't know. Because if it was fulfilled that was a in really 90, great answer. I, I loved it. Yeah, that's it a was great like, answer. You were honest. Like you don't know. Yeah, I don't that's know. a great. There's some things I'm super confident about. Well, thanks and for I, not lying. I know and really like, well. oh, let me give you this really. I have a I have a question for you. Yeah, answer. Are we living in the messianic age? So I, uh, there's an age. Talk to this me, yeah. age. There's this age, and then okay. the age to come. Those mm-hmm. are the two ages we're talking about. This age yep. and the age to come. Yep. What age are you living in? The age to come. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm believe, glad you believe that. I, I believe it's some ver- whatever the the millennial reign looks like. Um, that's where I believe we are right now, mm-hmm. and I believe there is a final. This is over. I believe there will be a time that all sin will be wiped away, and it will be no more. So you that's think there there will be an are, end to the to the to creation as we know it? I do, I do At, right now, and I'm open to I'm open to study that more. Right now, that's that's where I am. That's where it's at. The end of human history is where we differ. Yes, that's really where it's at because end. Yep. the end of human history. Yes, I say it doesn't end. You right. say that it does. Right. That's really where we all divide, because I do not believe that history ever ends. I don't think it ever ends. Yeah. And so that's where, because I believe that certain scriptures mean different things to me than they mean to you, and that's all it is. That's really the biggest difference. Yeah. But I think that if we all agree that Christ was who he said he was, then I think our soteriology is good. As long as we have that, then I think when we get to the place where we're with the Lord, then I hope that he'll let us sit around and ask him some questions, because I really want to know. Me too. You know? Me too. I want to ask some real questions. And, and I, I, agree, I, I agree with all of that that you said. Mm-hmm. You know, I joke about being heretics and all that, and I, I mean every word that I've said about Andy. But other than that— <laughs> It's all true. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I agree with that. I, I believe that, that it is finished, it is, you know, and we are in that process of God bringing all of creation under His control and His rule, and we're not on a, a slippery slope into hell. Instead, God is bringing all of creation to himself over time. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the process we're in right now. Yeah. Well, this is good. I want to have you back on the show again later. I want to do some other stuff, some other studies, and I want to have, let you guys do your little argument about universalism. And, and that'd Please be do it on a day that I'm going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> would you come <laughs> back? You have to be quiet. I would love to. I've had a blast. Yeah. I think that'd be great. All right. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show, man. Thank you for coming yes, on and sharing your you. heart. Yeah. Guys, go to uh you can go to Facebook and you can look look up Mills River Church, correct? And if you want to see some of those sermons that we're talking about, where yes, he is, he's funny and he has you, uh my wife says she, that you remind her of uh Jim Carrey like Everybody a lot. Everybody says that. And uh, he he sort of has that, but then who will punch you right in the gut with the truth and with love. And that's one of the best parts about it. You don't shy away from the things that are hard. And I'm appreciative of that, you know. So thanks for being on the show. Rick Carter, thanks for coming up from Columbia. Ralph, Andy, Sarita, Cherry. Thanks for everybody for being here. (laughs) And we will talk to you guys again next time on the Burroughs of Berea. Peace out. Bye. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. 
But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. A little, I was a little <laughs> dismayed that I wasn't even considered in this discussion whatsoever. Right, well, that's okay. You didn't consider Tiziana a woman either. So, oh, I consider her a woman. Yeah, I just, just didn't say she was hot. You, you she to- wasn't well, hot, you just yeah. totally like, I don't know, you screwed I up. said that you bad. two were the hotties, and she was like, hello. I, mean, <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Nurse yep. and mom. Yeah, don't anger go, a nurse and mom. You can't come back from that one, Rick. Yeah, you can't come back. No, I'll never come back from it. As a matter of fact, I I don't know if you listened to the last episode, but I actually go back and I say, can I just say that Tiziana is hot? Yeah, my wife's gonna he murder tried. me. Hard. It's too late. <laughs> yeah, at least it was all in we, vain. You know, you know for Sarah, the we're, just the, we're the hottie trio. That's yeah. right. That's what we are. That's right. And when Holly's in here, we're the quartet. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my wife is hot. Yes. The Supremes. I have. <laughs> my, God, my God, please. As many times as I you can get this on You definitely outkicked that coverage. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. What was it we said this morning? What we're, not menopause? What are we calling it? Men. Menopause. Man better pause. Man better pause. That's what yeah. it's called. Yeah. I thought you were talking about menopause. Man will live, man better pause. Guys, can you believe it? We're going to start right at six. It's the first time in the history of this podcast. Because y'all are all here on time. I know. Are Not you ready? Everybody. Ralph was here. Yeah, Ralph right was after here Rick. Oh, yeah. Rick, Rick came from Columbia. Yeah. You're ready, Josh. Come on. Where? I was in Lugol. Oh, yeah. You just need to talk about yourself. That's what everybody wants to do. They just talk about themselves. But the good thing oh. is you just get to talk about yourself and how you met God and all those good things, you know? No, it's just a testimony. Okay. Oh, that's right. This is the testimony. Duh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mm. haven't met God. I've just always known him. Praying for you, brother. You've met <laughs> Thank you. you might not have met him I know physically, people, but you've met I have him. A, a strange amount. I probably have a strange amount of people pray for me, being given I would, my situation. I would venture to say you have more than 10,000 people <laughs> praying for you on Even a regular Andy, basis. Do you ever feel that, Andy? <laughs> do you ever feel, feel it? Wild? <laughs> that is a hell of a thing to hear out loud. Do you? Feel it? Wow. Can you feel it right now? <laughs> what well, yeah. I feel glass. hot, but I, I think don't know. it's more I think your voice. I think somebody out there listening to the crowd does. Uh, All right. Was, are we ready? To, right. Are we rolling? Yeah, we're rolling. Started. We're late now. <laughs>